Welcome to Dig It. This is Edge with my co-host Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. Hey there, Corey. How are you doing today? I am doing good. Jamming away. Been super busy. Have um awesome article to share today. And uh and a not so awesome article to share today. And I just wanna before I forget, um, I am gonna be on the road next week. So we won't have a podcast next week, but then the following week we are bringing on a guest to share some really cool solutions and uh, a book he wrote. So nice. we'll get into that in a couple of weeks. Awesome. Yeah. So we're going to share some of your angel, angel stories. Um, I know that you put out an article with some of those stories and then may want to share some that have not been published yet. So exciting to hear that. I think that we got a good response last week with the one that you shared last week. So that's cool. It was incredible. Yeah. Like over 50 people submitted stories. I had nice. so much fun reading them and some tears too. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. they're powerful. They're very powerful. They stories. are. Yeah. And then there was another article that you published recently on WEF and their immunities. So I know you're going to get into that today. Um, yeah. I think we'll spend a good amount of time talking about the border invasion, some updates on that, um, particularly with Im illegal immigrants from the Middle East, Africa, China, and um, how that plays into terrorist cells that are in the U.S. and potentially plotting attacks um, what does the FBI and CIA know about them? Uh, we could get into a discussion about that. Um, speaking of the CIA, we have some new information on Biden corruption, particularly is the CIA, or I'm sorry, is the FBI blackmailing uh, Biden to cover up for their own crimes? We'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, more evidence in the criminal in chief and how he is compromised by foreign adversaries. And we'll finish up with um, something about AI. The Biden regime is deploying weaponized and woke AI. So we'll, uh, I want to get your thoughts on some different aspects of that. So lots to get into today. Wowzers. Okay. So first, the angel stories. Um, I want everyone to go in and read these. I got over uh, 50 submissions. I originally said I was going to publish three of them and mail them copies of my book. And I was just so honored and, and impressed with the stories that came through. So what I decided to do is I actually selected seven that I published. So they're all short stories. They're absolutely beautiful, inspiring. If you're looking for some positive news, because let's face it, there's a lot of negative going around and we certainly share a lot of that negative. Sorry, just trying to keep everyone abreast of what's going on. But I also selected some that I'm going to read. You know, I'll pick like one each week to read at the beginning of the podcast. So I have a handful of those as well. And so I'm going to read um, this one from a gentleman named Rick. Uh, so he says, God has strange way of making himself known. I was literally knocked to my knees three times on the day of Dawn's funeral with gratitude. I was gifted a vision of her next to the most brilliant gold yet white light. No words or gestures, just love, comfort, and forgiveness. I have been praying for gifts of the spirit. Be careful what you ask for as an understatement. 
I basked in that glow for two days. Her service was beautiful and I made it till the end. Then I bolted out of there. My son and his oldest nephew hugged and thanked everyone that came. I couldn't. I've never been more proud of them. I have everything to live for. I owe my wife more than I will ever be able to repay. I have rejoined a 12-step program and I'm going to work on becoming the man she thought I was. Thank you for continuing to allow me to ask questions I didn't even know I had. One with Christ, Rick. I think that's that's beautiful, Rick. That's awesome. So it's like bringing tears to my eyes. I know, I know. That's how all these stories are, but they're they're beautiful. They're they're very heartfelt, and I wish Rick the best in his journey. Nice, awesome. That was a great story by Rick, and there's so many more that you have published here on Angel Stories. We'll have to leave a link in the description for people to check this out, and. Uh, I, I think we'll probably have to continue hearing some more stories on Bigot Podcast, do you think? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. great, great. Yeah, so let's rock and roll into the wonderful WEF. So, hmm. <laughs> so they have immunities in Geneva, and we started to explain this a little bit in last week's podcast, but I have a little bit of an interesting timeline here with this and some other shenanigans that I dug up. And so I linked the actual agreements. And while doing this, I had to actually translate like three French documents into English so I could write this. Good times. So not that I can personally translate. Of course, I used a translator, but nonetheless, it's a little time consuming. So so the they do not have immunities in the U.S. under the International Organization Immunities Act. And, and to the best of my knowledge, I researched as best as I could on Beijing, Tokyo, and Mumbai and did not see that they had immunities there. However, in Switzerland, under their host state act, they do have immunities. And they read very much like our um, International Organizations Immunities Act, which would make all archives and documents and everything inviolable, as well as, you know, keeping them free from uh, any lawsuits, legal suits, you know, it, it, it's like operating outside the law. Mm-hmm. And so I'll be honest there, I have questions with some of this because, so, so with the other ones, okay, with all the other organizations in part one, the 76 organizations of which 20 plus are UN, the UN and OAS have very specific treaties and immunities that afford them the ability to extend them to organizations they're working with. Also, the Bank for International Settlements and, and the central banks, they can extend immunities through them when they're working together on things. And so my question was, I, I don't see how the other organizations have the ability to necessarily extend those immunities to an organization they're working with. However, if their documents are inviolable in Geneva, I go, well, what about their newer office that they set up in San Francisco or uh, the one in, I believe it's New York is the other one. 
so the documents, let's say the documents originate in Geneva, and now they're sharing them over to someone in the office in San Francisco, and they're signing stuff, and it's going back to Geneva. You see where I'm going? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know if there's a gray area there. Either way, obviously anything of major significance is going to be done and handled in Geneva. So, you know, that's where the vault would be. That's where all the secrecy would be. And we know that these guys are the strategizers and planners. And so if we take a look, what happened is in on January 23rd, well, they actually got together and met um, in December 17th, 2014. Uh, was it was decided that the WEF, the federal council, recognized them as an international body, you know, that that can fall under the host state act. So it was it was approved then and, and it went into effect on January 23rd, 2015. Now, I had already covered, you know, Gavi, the global fund CERN in the UN and its many arms because and they do have headquarters in uh geneva but the reason i covered them is because with the exception of cern they actually fall under our u.s international organizations immunities act and so i wasn't diving into specific countries i actually was asking people to look into their own countries you know so we can start kind of compiling this network i did come across a couple that I documented in part one on, I can't remember, I want to say Canada and maybe one other country, just to show an example and tell people what keywords to search when they're looking in their own government, because they almost all seem to use the words immunities and privileges, or they'll say privileges and immunities. And so I actually have a call to action at the end of this report, asking people to look that list up grab that URL link and dump it in the comments under my report because I want the map. It's driving me nuts, Edge. I want the freaking map. I don't have time. Like, because here's what happens. Right, because like the EU, the EU has a a lot of privileges and immunities that they, contractual agreements that they've signed with these Mm -hmm. same sorts of organizations and so, and so on and so forth. Like all these different countries are also going to have similar immunities and privileges although i would think that the us's has more i don't know more uh, it would have a, a stronger network that's just my assumption because we're we're this you know global power that has really driven a lot of these agendas have we not yes and no um so here's the thing the un is in 193 member states through their treaties they have um, because there's layers to this, right? There's treaties with some of these bigger ones. And then with the regular international organizations, they just have like, you know, privileges within their country and other countries that may have signed them on. But then we also have headquarters agreements that will give them even additional benefits. And so the UN automatically by treaty has these immunities and privileges in all 193 member states. That's a given. Um, any of the ones the OAS is operating in, which is the Western Hemisphere, they have them as well. So those are automatics. Then what we have is like the labor union, the uh, coastal union. There, there's 
there's going to be a handful that we're going to see an overlap in a lot of countries. But then what we'll have is individual organizations where such as the WEF, they may have offices in other locations, but they only have those immunities in their headquarters. Okay. And so we're going to see that with other organizations that may have a headquarters like in Australia or in Japan, you know, where they have special immunities there. And so that's where they're going to pull off their key operations. And so that's why it's important if we were to gather, even if we took like the top 30 dogs, you know, and we compiled that list together, because what this is, is these are people going back to the 1940s that have operated, not all of them, you know, they all came in at different times, but this started in the 1940s with, um, you know, 1945 to be specific. So we, we have this network that's been building that operates outside the law in order to carry out the agenda, all of these agendas. I'm talking all these agendas against everyone on a global scale they're able to get away with because of this, but, but very key element to this is BIS and the central banks, because if right. you don't have those to move the money, then, you know, like some will call um, the WEF or Geneva, the head of the snake, whereas I would agree, they are very much a top player in all of this and instrumental in moving these agendas and strategizing it all. Without BIS and the central banks, which in my opinion is more the head of the snake, um, they can't make this happen. Right, so, right. So it's like you've got the planning um, arm, the strategy yep. arm, you've got the, the funding arm, you have the implementation arm, like, for example, right. Gavi or the World Health Organization that are, you know, mass administering these, you know, so-called vaccines, which are bioweapons across the world, you know, that's one of the agendas, you know, yeah. so like you have all these different arms um, with privileges and immunities, but they each kind of have, I guess you could like subcategorize them into different sections of the agenda, whereas, you the know, sustainable whether it's development planning, goals. Right, right. Yeah, basically those are your agendas. The sustainable development goals are their agendas um, you just have to read between the lines and translate what that real agenda is, which I did in my 17 goals report, which I have linked in here, actually. But in addition to this, Edge, on January 1st, 2020, the WEF signed an agreement with the F Swiss Federal Department of Foreign Affairs to extend <laughs> their cooperation and integrate the WEF into international Geneva. And so they too are working on these sustainable development goals and uh, cities and they want to integrate, you know, environmental, social and governance, of course, into commercial and investment decisions. They want international collaboration and governance in digitalization and automation. And, um, the uh, numerous partnerships there. Oh yeah, this is my favorite one. Partnerships with economic players to promote a change in paradigm at the global level regarding sustainable development with emphasis on responsible consumption and production. <laughs> and so these people. You, you got to read um, it between the lines there. We're going to control everything that people buy and produce. Or consume. Or consume. That's right. <laughs> And so here's an interesting thing, because I kept going, why 2015? 
You know, they started out as the European Management Forum back in 1971, and then they evolved into the World Economic Forum. And, you know, they've been strategizing and, and working the governments for for a long, long time. So why 2015? And then it hit me. I'm like, wait a minute, 2015, the UN, Sustainable Development Goals. Okay, that makes sense. So in 2015, just nine months after the WEF received their immunities and privileges is from the host state act in Geneva is when the UN adopted the sustainable development goals. That's no coincidence. No. Yeah. Cause these guys at WEF, they're like the masterminds. They're, they're the meeting people. They're the strategists, you know, they figure out the budgets, they figure out how to pull all this crap off and get everyone together. And so they don't necessarily have this huge flow of money coming through, but they have a huge flow of money they oversee. And you know what I'm saying? Right. So, and they're more like the think tank of how they're yes. going to pull off these diabolical schemes. And UN is more of like the, an implementer that creates these strategic goals with all of the funding that goes gets funneled into it. Right. So then on June 13th in 2019, the WEF and the United Nations signed a strategic partnership framework in order to jointly accelerate the implementation of the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development Goals with six key focus areas on financing, climate change, health, digital cooperation, gender equality, and education. Then that following year, the WEF signed uh, the agreement with the Swiss FDFA to collaborate on sustainable development goals. So this was very strategically planned out for the timing of this. And um, there were 400 civil society organizations and 40 international networks that were trying to call this out saying, you know, this is, this is a total coup. You're trying to bring in, uh, they were calling on the UN to, you know, basically uh, end this agreement with the WEF because they could see what was going on, which didn't obviously did not happen. And so um, just a couple other notes I want to point out is the membership and they have their list linked here. They have their list of partners on their site for those who aren't already familiar with their partners. I mean, they do have quite a bit uh, and, and the membership runs between 60,000 and 600,000 annually, depending on what your partnership level is. And, and so everyone I'm sure that's listening to this is familiar with the Davos meetings and they, they bring in, I remember this a couple of years ago when everyone was like, look at all those, look at all that security. You remember that? Mm -hmm. They bring in so many police and up to 5,000 soldiers for security measures. And the Swiss government shells out the coin on this and so in 2021 there was this massive uproar from politicians and civil society groups saying that it's you know bs that the swiss government people's taxpayer dollars like this isn't helping us why are you shelling so much money out to this and so they did reduce it but it was like from four million down to three million i mean so these men who, you know, ultimately are the puppets to control the world here are getting soldiers to protect 
at them at their meetings and and politicians go to these too as we've seen you know it's mm-hmm. it's your ngos and your your billionaires your so-called philanthropists and uh politicians and the u.s i went back to 2004 we've funded them 55 million dollars through foreign aid which does not sound like a lot but of course it went through to uh grow africa which is a total scheme and alliance for trade facilitation so we've obviously assisted in this and it just makes you wonder you know the 21 trillion missing money and coincidentally in 2015 there was a whopping 6.5 trillion that was like the largest year of of, uh largest amount in a year that went missing and so you just gotta kind of wonder how that money funneled through but i'm sure these guys were strategizing that well you'll never know because their documents are invoilable they cannot (laughs) ever FOIA them you will never be able to open um and and get a peek into their documents so yeah and so i don't know i don't know how that works in the u.s like if we said uh you know we want to we want to get information or on what's going on at their New York location, for example. I, I don't know. Either way, you can, you know, pretty much count on the fact that anything that is critical um, is going to be in their Geneva location. Right. So, so that's, that's pretty much that. Um, their, their most recent initiative that I, I put an example of in here is their, they want to raise three trillion dollars a year for climate and nature and i and i list some of the i mean you know like bezos open society foundations tamasek trust rockefeller un welcome trust there's the universities mckinsey they're all in here you know we we know it's the same players over and over and over again oh yeah bezos soros rockefeller (laughs) the un bill gates they're all all the globalists yeah yeah all the puppets yep yep all right well that's a good breakdown people go check this out we'll leave a link in the description for you to check this out and if you haven't seen um, parts one and two of laundering with immunity you definitely want to check those out as well um, yeah. which i believe are linked in here in this report yes. um, to get context of the vast network of these organizations that have been given immunities to be able to carry out these sort of globalist agendas so yeah important important info all right So moving on to uh, the next topic, we're going to talk about the border for a a good bit during this podcast, Um, and I'm sure you'll have some input on it. Um, This week, we received footage of a report. uh, This is by Oscar Ramirez, who is embedded with a caravan of illegal immigrants coming to the southern border. This is a wave of about 8,000 people that are estimated to arrive early next week, likely at either Lukeville, Arizona, at that border crossing, or Juarez, or Eagle Pass, Texas. And um, as you know, Corey, and you've researched a lot of private companies, NGOs, corrupt governments, the cartel, you name it, they're basically funding the, Mm -hmm. the busing of these illegals up from the Darien Gap. And um, so this reporter, Oscar Ramirez, talked about when interviewing many people in this caravan, he's talked about how 
uh, approximately 75% of the caravan of 8,000 are fighting aged males. Um, of the ones he's talked to, they say they've been told that the Biden regime's just going to let them in to the country, provide them with hotels, give them jobs. I mean, <laughs> they they have been told that it's just, you know, everyone's welcome to come up. Yep. Oh, and, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And a lot of these people um, are from Central and South America, like Venezuela, Honduras. But many are also from the Middle East, Africa and China. In fact, in October, um, just in October alone, uh, the Border Patrol encountered 100 Syrians and 50 Iranians. Now, I don't need to tell you how alarming this is, considering, you know, it being in the context of there's a war over in Israel. Um, the, you know, certain um, regimes like the Iranian regime behind, the, you know, the funding, the backing, the planning of those attacks on Israel has also pledged um, to attack U.S. interests and even the U.S. itself. And so, you know, with the wide open border, Syrians and Iranians coming across is incredibly uh, alarming, um, to say the least. In fiscal year 2023, which ended in September, um, Border Patrol encountered 61,000 special interest aliens. And when we mm. talk about special interest aliens, we're talking about illegals from countries of concern like Syria, Lebanon, Iran, etc. And people that display behaviors or patterns that indicate potential links to terrorism. So um, this is some information that came from a, a source in Border Patrol um, that said, um, absent, quote, absent any significant intelligence indicating a special interest migrant may pose a known threat, a known threat to the United States that are generally released into the U.S. to pursue asylum claims. And as I mentioned, 61,000 special interest migrants were encountered by Border Patrol during the fiscal year 2023 that ended in September uh, a number of the migrants of special interest from special interest countries um, climbed more than 140% over the previous mm. year, fiscal year 2022. That was uh, a number of 25,500 uh, apprehensions of special interest aliens in 2022. And we're at 61,000 for fiscal year 2023. Obviously, uh, the numbers are skyrocketing at a time when we're facing in the U.S. potential threats of terrorism because of the conflict that's going on in Israel. Well, and we don't even know how accurate these numbers are, because nope. as you know, you and I have spent the last week trying because I'm working on something that has to do with the border. And we've spent time both trying to uh, re cross reference different sources, you know. Mm -hmm. And the numbers are all over the place. And then they you've got are. miles and miles of border where they're coming through, where no one's tracking that shit. So right. we don't know what the real numbers are. Exactly. These are only what they call the known known, meaning <laughs> these are the ones that the Border Patrol was able to catch. Um, a portion of those people are turned back. Another por large portion of those people 
are released into the U.S., paroled into the U.S., or given court dates, notices to appear, um, while being released into the U.S., only later to just disappear and not be able to be tracked and not show up for court dates. So, um, yeah, the numbers are all over the place, but the ones that we have are only of the ones that we that Border Patrol was made aware of. Now, we mm. talked about in the past about how a lot of these migrants, um, immigrants that are actual criminals or potential terrorists, what they do is they wait for these waves, these huge waves to come through. While those people are being processed, they cross the border elsewhere undetected, right? The cartel mm -hmm. and uh, potential terrorists. I mean, why are... wait in line when you're invited in? Nothing's going to happen even if you go a mile down the road and jump the freaking wall because they've got their rope ladders hanging over. Right, right. Right. And so we have no numbers on those guys. Um, but, but I am gathering numbers and can tell you that we've put billions into bringing them here. Oh, 100% we have. Absolutely we have. And um, so this is another independent reporter, Jeff Rainforth, who's embedded at the border at Lukeville, Arizona. He's documented this week a wave of about a thousand illegals coming through where the cartel cut the border walls in several places, he says. He's also said that based on interviews he's conducted there, that many of these uh, people from this wave are from Syria and Africa, but also India and other countries. Uh, plus, we have this major issue going on um, also with Chinese um, nationals crossing the border illegally. Um, so in fiscal year 2023, Border Patrol encountered over 52,000 people from China. That's double the previous wow. year of 27,756. So we are exponentially increasing these potential threats. I mean, with the number of illegals coming in from countries that have openly admitted their plans to take down America, we're definitely increasing the threat of attacks in the U.S. on U.S. soil. And the compromised criminal in the White House is absolutely complicit in this national security threat. I mean, to me, this is in and of itself, just even not even considering all the crimes that the resident of the White House has committed, um, just this in and of itself is treasonous, allowing our borders to be wide open while we have a known risk of right. terrorist activity. If anything, they should be putting, you know, National Guard, they're putting more people down at the borders. And look, we're not sharing this to try and scare people or alarm people, but I've been watching videos for months and uh, seeing, you know, following this and seeing what's going on. And if I was seeing families and maybe people coming in from different countries, I wouldn't be quite as alarmed. Um, but we are seeing just thousands of yeah young military aged men yeah. from um from countries where we know there's um terror ter terror organizations right that have it out for the US right right so um this came up this week week at the eagle pass border where these waves of migrants are coming through uh, many of them coming from countries with ties to terrorists um organizations Border Patrol, under the orders of the Biden regime, was caught on video using heavy machinery to lift razor wire and allow the, legal, the illegals to cross the border. 
And the attorney general, Ken Paxton in Texas, um, he sued the Biden regime last week for tampering with the razor wire along Mm. the Texas border. And the federal judge put a temporary restraining order against the Biden regime in place this week. The judge um, said um, that the temporary restraining order uh, shall remain in place through November 13th, and it specifically applies to um, the tampering of the razor wire at Eagle Pass. Why just through November 13th? Well, because the court... uh, Proceedings are ongoing, and so um, it would be in order to hear, like, for the next hearing, right? I gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so that's why it's temporary, and so they'll meet again, and then they'll go from there. Um, So the judge may extend this restraining order or, right? okay. Um, But this is an, an ongoing court case specifically for Border Patrol under the orders of the Biden regime, um, tampering with Texas's... Um, razor wire along the border on Eagle Pass. Now, lo- notice the date here. So um, the restraining order against DHS and Border T- Patrol was granted on October 30th. And this video uh, c- catching Border Patrol using and lifting the barbed wire was posted on October 31st. So I don't know if they actually took this footage on October 31st, but if they did, then clearly the Biden regime is violating this federal court order. Um, So Texas is taking matters into their own hands and now putting, um, putting rows of shipping containers along the Eagle Pass border, presumably not only to prevent illegals from getting in, but yeah. also to prevent border patrol agents from accessing the razor wires to allow illegals in. Smart. Unbelievable. This is insane. It is absolutely you know, insane. And here's the thing. So there could be groups coming in that legitimately are fleeing their countries and they're like, well, if they're going to put us up in a hotel or some commercial building that's being rezoned to residential and um, take care of us over there because they want a melting pot here. And, you know, they have no intentions of, of creating any violence that I'm sure there are those groups, but I also think I'm concerned that they're going to try to, you know, pop off some things. I, I don't think there's going to be like this, you know, massive, bloodbath war across the whole country here but i could see them trying to do isolated um violent incidents to uh they're they know they're not going to get our guns away from us right so they're going to try and come at that from every angle they can the other thing is to the best of my knowledge and someone correct me if i'm wrong but i believe that let's say we get to a point and they say well let's bring in the un the the peacekeeping, you know, we're going to bring them in and we're going to bring in their military. And now the president has the authority to say, okay, we're going to put our armed forces under the control of the UN. I'm, I'm pretty certain. I remember reading something that indicated that in, um, I was reading, I was reading like a court document on something else where Congress was trying to remove that ability from a president. I can't remember when that was. At any rate, so 
so like I look at it as I always try to look ahead, you know, like where's this going? And I could see some some kind of a potential for that. Yeah, I mean, I think that as long as you're allowing this complete invasion of the border, you're only increasing the statistical um, probability of some kind of attack happening, right? I mean, like the agencies that are uh, put in place to try to prevent attacks Mm -hmm. from happening have to be right every time, whereas one person has to be right only one time to get to pop off a certain kind of attack. Do you know what I'm saying? Or one small cell. So um, it's, you're just, you're increasing the odds of something potentially happening. Well, and and then we have Five Eyes that came out and set the stage for a China false flag on, you know, cyber attacks and cybersecurity. So uh they're definitely preparing for various different things in order to pull this off and interfere with the 2024 election i think that's pretty clear i agree yeah i definitely think that 2024 the election definitely comes into play um with this but going back to the subject of you know special interest aliens so the center for immigration studies um has foiaed dhs on their numbers uh, on illegal immigration pouring through the border and found that since January of 2023, we've really seen this huge growth in a scheme that they cooked up um, known as the CBP-1 app. This is to really expedite the entry of illegals. And so this app, this CBP-1 app was released quietly in May of 2021, but then the Biden regime announced this scheme in January of 2023 and really kind of publicized it, and you've seen it explode. The number of illegals that are paroled into the United States using CPP's one app between February 2023 and August 2023 is 10 times greater than the prior year and a half combined. So uh, from May twenty May of 2021 through December of 2022, there were t- over 23,000 entries into the CBP-1 app. And then from February, or I'm sorry, from January 2023, no, February 2023 to August 2023, there were 225,000, almost 226,000 wow. entries into that CBP-1 app. Again, many of those, many, many of those people being paroled into the United States using this CBP-1 app. And a lot of them are from Cuba, Haiti, Venezuela, and Nicaragua, but thousands of them are also from countries of interest, including Afghanistan, Iran, Lebanon, Jordan, Yemen, CBP-1 online interfaces using the CBP-1 app paroled uh, people from countries into the United States. Um, These are special interest aliens. They paroled 7,332 special interest aliens from these countries of interest. And um, this is since May of 2021. So let me just let me just repeat that. 
Since May of 2021, over 7,000 special interest aliens have been released into America. That's just fantabulous. Right? And um, obviously the, the White House wants to um, expedite even more of it. Um, in fact, this whole thing with funding Israel and this fight that's going on in Congress, right? Um, the, the White House is using the excuse of funding Israel um, and this war. They're using that as an excuse to try to pay for scaling up the border invasion. And they're using the supplemental package that the Biden regime is battling in Congress over um to use 13.6 billion of our taxpayer dollars for what it calls border security uh but from their own words on their own white house fact sheet um this money is intended to go to um expedite funneling more illegals into cities across america and putting them up in hotels um so some of the funding is going to go to additional grants to local governments and nonprofits to support provision for temporary food, shelter, and other services for recently released people from DHS custody. Um, that, that's they're talking about paying for hotels and right. giving them food. Uh, yep. You know, probably like some form of like EBT kind of cards for food and <clears throat> things like that. They're literally, they're quite literally building an army using taxpayer dollars and if at this point in the game anyone is voluntarily and it is volunteer paying into this global mafia next year mm, shame on you it's insane i mean the biden regime wants to spend money we don't have adding to our inflation adding to our debt creating a debt crisis they want to use that money to launder tens of billions to Ukraine, fund the war in Israel, a coming war in Taiwan, while terrorist organizations are warning of an imminent attack on U.S. interests. And Biden is going to use $13.6 of that to funnel more illegals and special interest aliens into cities across the U.S., putting them up in hotels. Um, all funded by taxpayers. I mean, this is absolutely suicidal. We can't we can't let this continue. It has to be stopped. I know. And the thing is, is even if people stop paying in, the reality is they're going to make this happen anyways because they'll just print money. They'll just do, they'll do what they need to do to try and carry this off. But the point is everyone needs to be looking out for themselves and their families right now. So don't be giving up what you need to get your land or your food or protect yourself. Yeah, um, I definitely don't think that the federal government is at all concerned about protecting Americans. So no. it's in our best interest to worry about protecting ourselves because nobody's coming to save us. Uh, they care more about um, protecting the illegals that are coming through the border than protecting our, uh, the American citizens. Right. Um, so this week, the corrupt FBI head, Christopher Ray. Uh, he was called in to testify before Congress, and he admitted that there's this increased threat of a terrorist attack in the U.S. linked to groups involved in the war in Israel. And um, here's what he said, something to the effect of, uh, let's see, um, he's concerned about traditional formal terrorist organizations like Al-Qaeda, ISIS, Hezbollah, 
potentially carrying out strikes in the U.S., but he said, we're not currently tracking an imminent credible threat from a foreign terrorist organization, a structured attack here or something like that, but it is something that we think, you know, heightened vigilance is, warrant, vigilance is warranted for. Uh, it has become, it is a time to become concerned, and we are in a dangerous period, is what well, he said. But of, but of course he's going to say that, because it's to their benefit to stoke fear. So there's no reason why he would pretend that this isn't going on. It's just going to benefit them more by putting more fear into people, you know? And well, while I... at the same time making it sound like they actually give a shit. I think that, you know... Where I, my take is this: I think the FBI know, knows a lot more than they're saying. Of course, and um, it concerns me because they, as you mentioned, you know, heading into this 2024 election season, um, where the deep state is in a fight for its life, they're so worried about being taken down by an outsider like Trump that they'll they're willing to criminally convict him uh, for crimes um, so that he is not able to run for president. Um, and, and so it's, it seems to me like they have an incentive to allow um, something to happen in the U.S. to disrupt an election uh, to distract the public from their own corruption and things like that. So um, it concerns me um, that that we have weakened our country so much to allow certain threats into the country. And we're supposed to rely on the FBI to protect us? Mm -hmm. uh, no. Um, and I do think the FBI knows more um, than what Christopher Ray is saying here. In fact, you know, um, if you look back in just the most recent years, for example, the CIA and the FBI have been tracking terrorist cells in the U.S. working for Hezbollah, uh, a, a Lebanese and Iran-backed terrorist organization, specifically uh, units of this terror, terrorist organization called the Islamic Jihad Organization, IJO, or also known as Unit 910. And they're taxed with carrying out terrorist operations around the world. But the FBI and CIA have caught some of the, these bad guys. Uh, back in 2017, two Hezbollah agents were arrested. Uh, one was from the Bronx, another guy from Michigan, Samir El-Debek. And here's what I found interesting about Samir El-Debek, um, one of these agents, Hezbollah agents. Um, he trained in Lebanon. Uh, he trained on how to, you know, um, build explosives. Um, he he trained on how to target people in buildings for mass casualties. Um, he he was caught by Hezbollah later, and found out because Hezbollah found out that that El Debek was supplying information to the feds, and Hezbollah interrogated Debek. And Debeck said he confessed to Hezbollah that the FBI and the CIA and the police paid him off $500,000 for information. Hmm. But then Debeck says that he made it all up. And <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what to believe here, but I, I kind of think that this is true, that he was kind of like a double agent working yeah. for both Hezbollah and the FBI and CIA. 
um, which is concerning to me. It makes me wonder, you know, how many other terror cells are on the Right. FBI's and CIA's payrolls? What exactly Right. does this, you know, intelligence community know about potential threats going on right now in the U.S. in light of this war in Israel, in light of the border invasion? And, you know, with everything that we've known about you know, the biggest terrorist attack on America in 9-11, we have every reason to be suspicious, don't we? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And then just five months ago, another guy, um, terror terrorist from um, Hezbollah's IJO or Unit 910 was in prison, Alexei Saab, and um, he was living in New Jersey. His job was to scout locations for um, targets for potential terrorist attacks in New York, including the UN, Statue of Liberty, Rockefeller Center, Times Square, Empire State Building. He was also tasked with looking for soft spots to ensure mass maximum destruction. So they, they caught this bad guy. But my point here is that we already know there are cells in the United States. And by keeping the border invasion going, especially of special interest aliens from countries like Iran or Syria or Lebanon, um, we are increasing the potential of one of them being able to, to pop something off. And it doesn't exactly instill confidence if it's supposed to be the FBI who's in charge of keeping track of this, especially when Ray, Christopher Ray, this week is saying, well, we're not really tracking it. And, you know, in fact, in last last year, just last year, Christopher Ray said, that these recent arrests of Lebanese Hezbollah terrorists gave them, you know, evidence or demonstrated that Hezbollah has this long-term contingency planning activity on attacks here in the U.S. And so he was saying back then there were credible threats. Um, but now he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get into specifics, but yeah, there's heightened threats. potential Yeah. it concerns me um Yeah, I think it concerns all of us right now. yeah and um given the fact that the fbi has been exposed for being um as corrupt if not more corrupt than the cia um and they're They feel that as though the agency has is at a point of existential threat to where a, 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 someone like Trump could never be president because that would increase the potential of the FBI being abolished, right, um, or taken down. Um, you know, it, it concerns me that... Um, You know, when when Ray says, you know, we're living in a time of what is it, um, a, a a dangerous period, um, and it concerns me what he means by that, um, Right. and, and what the FBI and CIA actually do know. Um, Right. but speaking of the corrupt FBI and uh, you know FBI corruption, um, that kind of segues into our next topic. And um, because we have evidence on new evidence, really, on 
that it wasn't just foreign adversaries that have been blackmailing Biden, um, but it seems now the FBI has been blackmailing Biden because apparently <laughs> um, Chuck Grassley over in the Senate, he's been conducting an investigation into Biden's corruption. And he's uncovered that about 40 informants, FBI informants, were embedded with the Bidens for the past 15 years and gathering evidence on Biden's criminal activity all the way going back to when he was was VP. So not only did the FBI know that Biden was corrupt and all this criminal activity was actually going on and that the Hunter Biden laptop was real and everything, they'd collected and gathered all this information going back to when he was VP. And sat on it. And they sat on it. So they 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 shut down investigations. They covered up. They had people sign letters saying that it was Russian disinformation, all of that. So, But what they used that uh, criminal information for, what it appears to be, is that they used that to install Biden um, as a puppet of the intelligence community. Like, we've got dirt on you. And so right. now you have to do what we say. Um, because, I mean, what was their only, what was their alternative? What, right. you know, they couldn't allow Trump in the White House. They knew that he'd go after them for spying on him. Um, right. And so there's just, in my opinion, there's really never been a time in history where it's become really more obvious than now that we're living in this banana republic run by rogue intelligence agencies although you could argue the same thing happened you know um and it's been going on um since the jfk assassination right yeah um a long time long time a long time it's just that i don't know how you can uh ignore these facts and um you know (laughs) I guess the people that are still supporting the Biden regime, they just must be so brainwashed. I, I don't I don't see how you can look at the facts objectively and come up with the conclusion that it's anything other than, you know, this is a corrupt puppet that was installed in a coup. Right. Um, by yeah, that was evident that was evident just by his lack of turnout at his events it was a joke mm-hmm. he'd have like 50 people at an event it, it was just such a joke oh i know i know i don't think anybody buys it anymore um how could you uh but anyways we got we got more evidence it's coming in daily comer's doing his investigation over at the house um, of Biden's corruption. I'm just waiting for any of these investigations to amount to anything. Like, when are we going to impeach this criminal and arrest him? I I don't know. I guess I have some <laughs> it's wishful thinking at this point. But <laughs> anyways, um, so the latest evidence that Comer's come up with is that Biden received, Joe Biden himself received $240,000 in direct payments. And um, with the latest payment being um, $40,000, uh, funneled from the Chinese intelligence front group, CEFC, to Joe Biden. So remember when, um, you know, it all came out, Hunter's laptop came out, and that comment Hunter made about uh, 10% for the big guy, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so if you kind of do the math here, it works out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so CFC funnels 5 million to hunters like this, this, shell company that he has partnered with CEFC and then 400,000 goes to Hunter and then Hunter uh, funnels 150,000 to James Biden. Biden takes his cut of, it looks like James Biden takes his cut of about 10,000. It looks like, and then they cut a check of, of to Joe Biden for 40,000. So the original 400,000 that Hunter got, um, right. 10% of went to the big guy. <laughs> These people, man, <laughs> I'm telling you what. Yeah, there will be no rest of Joe Biden. No. <clears throat> that's wishful that's thinking. Not going to happen. No, no, because, I mean, he's got the backing of this rogue, weaponized intelligence community that needs their puppet in place. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Gosh, can we end like on a high note? Is there a yeah. high note to end on? <laughs> Man. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. Sorry. It's, it's... Way to bring it, Edge. <laughs> Maybe I should have saved <laughs> the angel story for the end. You should have. You should have. Well, <laughs> I was gonna go into woke AI, but I don't know. Should I should I wrap it up with this one here? Real okay. quick. We'll we'll wrap it up with that one. All right. Um, so this week Biden put out this executive order on safe, secure, and trustworthy AI. And, you know, the whole idea behind this is to advance equity. We know what that means. Woke Mm -hmm. AI. Um, But if you read, if you kind of scroll down and started reading some of these objectives, um, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on this. The the EO directs, uh, not suggest, but directs new standards for AI to protect Americans from potential risks. Among those risks to Americans, the EO talks about protection of private, privacy, which sounds nice, but we know in actuality the American public is constantly surveilled by weaponized agencies of this regime, especially people who support MAGA. Um, so what are they really after? I think that they want to this is my take. They want an excuse to put to pursue digital ID under the guise of privacy protection. So further down this EO, look, it says, you know, uh, to protect Americans' privacy, including from the risks posed by AI, the president calls on Congress to pass bipartisan data privacy legislation to protect Americans, especially kids, and directs the following actions. Protect Americans' privacy by prioritizing federal support for accelerating the development and use of privacy-preserving techniques, including ones that use cutting-edge AI and that let AI systems be trained while preserving the privacy of their training data. Also, (laughs) strengthen privacy-preserving research and technologies such as cryptographic tools that preserve individuals' privacy by funding research uh, coordination network to advance rapid breakthroughs and development. The National Science Foundation will also work with this network to promote the adoption of leading edge privacy preserving technologies by federal agencies. I'm reading between the lines here and wondering what kind of technologies are they talking about that are privacy protecting that, that fulfill their agenda. And that to me sounds like using 
digital IDs um, to, so everything is what, um, what do they use? Um, I don't know, but the National Science Foundation is a massive red flag for me, but scroll down. I want to see the rest of that next bullet and I'm going to sneeze. Excuse me. All right. Hang on. Let me see what this says. Uh, evaluate how agencies collect and use commercially available information, including information they procure from data brokers and strengthen privacy guidance for federal agencies to account for AI risk. This work will focus in particular on commercially available information containing personally identifiable data. Yeah, all of this is just right. data collection. Data it's collection, just... but we've got to do it to where it secures your privacy. And how do we do that? I think that they, they plan to do that using digital ID. See, it's all right. um, preserving your data. Um, we can still use that data to train our AI, but we have to do it in a way where, you know, you're, we could, these different agencies and these different companies that are training AI where they can't get to all of your data. And the only way we can do that is if you have a digital ID that protects That's right. Your, Scroll down. Let me see. Let me just see what these other subheaders say, because I haven't seen this page. Okay. Yet. So there's a bunch of headers. It's talking about AI mm -hmm. in government, in military, in education, in consumers. This one particularly is talking about um, AI for advancing equity and civil rights. So mm -hmm. the Biden regime is mandating that AI be woke and will be sticking the weaponized DOJ on discrimination violations of AI algorithms. Oh, here's, here's, here's a good one. Ensure fairness throughout the criminal justice system by developing best. Ah, wait, don't scroll. Sorry. Uh, by developing best practices on the use of AI in sentencing, parole and probations, pretrial release and detention, risk assessments, surveillance, crime forecasting, and predictive policing and forensic analysis. Do they? Did you keyword digital ID just to see if nope. they have any mention of that in here? Nope, I didn't. But hold on, hold on a second. Did you just say crime forecasting? Using AI for crime <laughs> yep. forecasting? Yep. Are we and actually policing? <laughs> are we actually moving into minority report? I mean, like, is that where we're at now? Pre crime. Oh yeah, especially with the deep fakes. That'll be a nice frame up job. Yeah, and then they yeah, go I'd in. Have to, I would have to read this whole thing, but There's but I would say definitely, definitely implying uh, all of this leading to a safe digital ID for all. And of course, they're going to de deploy woke AI to indoctrinate children in the education system. That's another yep. aspect of this. Personalized so, tutoring in schools. Oh, boy. Yeah. Supporting workers. Scroll down. I want to see the other headers real quick. Supporting workers, promoting innovation and competition, and advancing leadership abroad. Yeah, there's a lot that's going into this. Yeah, we should link this underneath so the video so people can um, peruse that because, yeah. Yeah, get, get yeah. more eyes on it. Goodness.
All right. Uh, I think that about wraps it up. Sorry it wasn't more cheerful. I, right? <laughs> it's just a time now to Now I'm ending in. it with an angel story. Do it, yes. <laughs> we need to end with an angel story next time. We'll do one sure. at the beginning and one at the end. Good, good. All right, guys. Thanks for sticking around. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're on BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, Rumble, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, no longer on YouTube, so please please be sure to share this podcast on our other platforms, and we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It.